theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston press to ATO. Three, two, one. Greatest day of your whole entire life has just begun. We are here to make it even better. How are you doing today, Quinn? Doing great. We are here to make it better and to talk about some interesting things. And today we're talking about an event that we're going to be a part of today. Yes, a virtual event. A virtual event. (laughs) And uh, who exactly is involved in this virtual event? So, um, yeah, basically this event is put on by by this group called Women in Blockchain Talks, Mm -hmm. um, a community that I've been a part of for a while now and have been enjoying um, a lot of the meetings and the speakers. They put together these virtual events online. Um, Usually two speakers are invited to talk about specific events or specific things in the world of blockchain mm-hmm. and they're part like what they're doing in that space. So they're usually either CEOs or artists or you know consultants or founders just all the whole the gamut but they're all women and they're in blockchain. Yes. And so um, today uh, we are going to actually be a part of that event. I'm going to be hosting it. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for you too. Going to host it and um, Basically, just by hosting, I'm just interviewing um, the the two individuals, and we're going to talk a little bit about who they are. And uh, usually, Lavinia, who is the founder of Women in Blockchain Talks, um, she's the one who usually does these these things. She she hosts and interviews and whatnot. And she's fantastic at it. Um, but today, she had a conflict, um, another event that she had to go to, so she asked me to do it. So it'll be interesting. It'll be my first time doing this. So, um, a little nervous, but I think it'll be fun. So who, who are you interviewing today? So I'm interviewing two lovely ladies. I love how international this group is. It's really pretty amazing how international the world of blockchain is, but specifically in this community, it's how, very international. How international is this group? It's very international. So Women of Blockchain Talks is actually, it was started in London. It was started in the UK. Um, and I found it because, you know, I'm just a sleuth on the internet trying to find, you know, cool new communities to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And this this one really hit home, um, and so it's very international. The two people, the two speakers who I'll be interviewing today, one is from Lebanon and one is from Panama, mm. and so every speaker is usually in a different part of the world. I mean, I think one time it was Spain and um, Ukraine, the other time it was, you know, it's just really all over the world, which is amazing because it just shows really how global this industry really is. Are you the only member on the Island of Treasure? I am the only member on the Island of Treasure that I know so far Just in checking. Florida. <laughs> and so, and then I'm here in the U.S. I guess I'm international relative to where it started. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we get a lot of different different types of people from all over the world, which is great because the more diverse, it's, that's what it, the group is really all about. It's about diversity, inclusivity. It's not saying men can't come in. They actually really embrace men coming and attending this event. Yeah. I don't know about joining that one, though. Yeah, but there have been lots of men who come to our events and are here to listen, to learn, and all of that stuff. And we've got, you know, it's just, it's basically trying, the, the mission of this community is to really bring more um, diversity into this emerging space, right? So we really need more women to be a part of blockchain technology as it evolves in order for it to really, you know, be what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, why don't you explain that? I think that's a good point that should be emphasized why is it important for there to be more women in this space as it's evolving yeah that's a good question so i to me at least i really believe that 
you know, the, the evolution of this industry will be based on who is involved, who is engaged and who is making decisions um, along the way. And I think that's the, that's the truth for pretty much any emerging industry, any industry that's new and that's going to go through all these different maturation cycles. Um, basically, it, at the end, you know, 10 years from now, what is it going to look like? And I think, you know, when we're really considering even, you know, how social media has played out, um, what AI is doing, what these algorithms are doing in terms of, you know, identifying certain people, if the people behind who are creating these different programs on the internet are only of one specific, you know, gender or ethnicity or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you kind of you're not really taking into account all stakeholders, right? All of the different perspectives that come with being a female or being, you know, um, a, a gay man in the UK or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, a black person in Africa in Southern Africa and Cape town, like that perspective, if all, all the people making these new amazing technologies are just from one locale in California, for example, mm-hmm. and of one ethnicity, one gender that really kind of, it just basically prevents it, it prevents the evolution of this this technology to really include the whole spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. So I think there's a few ways that we can explain this simply, which would be the more diverse, the better the team. I, and that's that's definitely what research shows, right? Yeah. I mean, you and I have definitely looked into that research specifically. Is the more diverse a team is, the better, the more successful, the more creative, the better solutions come mm-hmm. out of that, right? Yeah. And it, it's so it is about you know getting the right people on the bus, but it's also about the right people in the right seats on the bus. Mm-hmm. And in order to really make the best team and the best solutions for the whole world, because we're connected. Right. Yeah. And when I'm saying this community is global, I mean. Almost every community that you and I have really engaged in in the blockchain industry is pretty global. For sure. And so that needs to be taken into account when technology is built. And mm-hmm. and if and it really begins at the foundation of it. And we're yeah. at at the frontier of this new technology. Mm-hmm. And it is important for it to include a, a wide range of individuals with different perspectives, different backgrounds, different realities, mm-hmm. in order for the technology to evolve and actually be helpful and have that positive impact that we hope that to the can, masses to the masses right so the other example that i like to use when talking about the importance of diversity especially when developing or creating something that's going to have an impact on the masses is the example of if you're driving a car and on the left side is an individual that's not like you at all and then on the right side is an individual that's identical to you you're more likely to swerve to miss the person that's more similar to you yeah and that's something that is a little bit uncomfortable when you think about it because you know we like to think that maybe we would in those split second moments actually be calculating in our heads okay well you know this person's in you know a very young age and they got a whole life to live and all these other factors or whatever it is and maybe it's even more people and then one single person that's a little bit disappointing, but it's a fact, like a scientific fact, that you're more likely to avoid the person that's identical to you. When it comes to developing technology, you want to see the technology represent the world. Yes. And in order for it to represent the world, it can't be made by one single type of individual. Yes. And so therefore, it's of top utmost importance that you're looking at it from a global perspective 
to make sure that it's a benefit for everyone. Yeah, and well so, said. Very well said. And, and really what that what you were explaining is basically we all have implicit biases, which is mm-hmm. implicit meaning it's subconscious. It's not something that you're actually thinking about you know, and, and intentionally using, it's just something that in those split second moments, and maybe you don't even understand that you're going to do that or that you, that that's the decision that you're going to make, which mm-hmm. is why it is even more important because it's not like, you know, individuals are going around purposely wanting to make things just for themselves, but it's just kind of the, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've seen this play out in different ways where technology hasn't really been for, you know, designed to actually be for everyone. And if mm-hmm. this technology, um, this underlying blockchain technology that we're you know, so, so fascinated by, which is underlying in NFTs and cryptocurrency and all these different things, and the, the heart of the like, core of it is decentralization. If we really want the impact to actually be made, it really does have to take into account all people. All people. Yeah. And so that's really where the impact lies. So, so the people that you're, the diverse individuals that you're, interviewing today. Why don't you explain a little bit about who they are? Yeah, so I'm uh, really excited to talk about both of them. So the first one I'm, I'm going to interview, it, her name is Rhonda Al-Rafai, mm-hmm. and she is from Lebanon. She's the founder of Bitcoin Blockchain Beirut Labs. Hmm. So she is really focused on education and consulting other companies and whatnot who are interested in using this underlying technology. And she's really, you know, just basically on a mission to educate people about what this technology can do. Hmm. Um, but she's doing it in an area that is, is um, you know, it's the Middle East. She's really focused on the Middle East area. So she's, she's focused on in, in Lebanon, you know, Beirut, um, Dubai, all of those different areas. There's actually a lot of activities, specifically even with women hmm. who are in blockchain as well, who are wanting to learn how to code and, and educate themselves of how they can actually be a part of this technology, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. So, um, you know, in terms of what she's doing, that's really her impact. Um, her impact is just wanting to bring in more people, educate them in this space and make sure that this technology really represents all parts of the world. Okay, so is she hosting virtual events or is she doing something in person? Yeah, so she um, she consults for a number of different things. One of the things that she most recently helped out with was a virtual event. Um, it was a virtual event basically for um, the Middle East area and it's called Arab M Tech and Startups Conference. Mm. Um, so it was a, like a three-day online event, basically just focusing on emerging technology and uh, emerging technology and startups in the Arab region. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that um, I wasn't able to attend that. I, 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 w- I will definitely make sure I attend it next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because you know a lot of because of the pandemic, all of these conferences that would have normally been in person, which of course in person is amazing. That's there's really nothing quite like networking and going to conferences in person but it's amazing that it's opened it up for a more international platform and stage yeah so um yeah that's one of the things that she's really been focusing on she's also an ambassador for uh the institute for the future um over at uh the university of niswa cyprus which that university specifically is really leading the for the front that's on the frontier of educating people in a university setting i like the name of it institute of the future yeah, right. Institute for the Future, IFF. Hmm. It's really interesting. So she's she's really kind of more of like an ambassador. She plays an ambassador role, um, basically just focusing on her area, her region, on um, on this university and what it can really do to help educate people. And it does, that university has a lot of different programs. It's got you know more of like a professional educational um, program. 
um, if you don't want to go and get a full degree and you want, you know, to really kind of just learn about this technology and how it can even help your industry or your company, you can just go to that, that university online. And that's mm-hmm. what they really do. They, they make it, you can go to, to uh, Niswa Cyprus if you want and actually physically be there. And we know a couple of people who have, um, and they have so many different programs for blockchain specifically. Um, but they also have a master's program. They have an undergrad, but all of it is accessible online, which I think is a huge, huge well, this, draw right in now. this era. Yeah, for sure. So, is there anything specific that you're looking forward to asking her more about that you think could be beneficial to the audience or maybe even perhaps to you personally? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to learn more about what's going on in the Arab region. You know, like where, what is she, how is she seeing blockchain technology being used? Really, how is this going to solve some of the problems in these Arab regions? Um, how is it empowering people in that area as well? Um, I just, I'm curious because I think that you know, everyone's education on this technology varies based on their geographic region, right? Based on the content and the language that content is being created in Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so really trying to understand how she sees the future of blockchain in the Arab region specifically, just learning about that area, because that's one area that I don't know very much about. And I think a lot of people who will be joining this event will also be curious to know, you know, what is going on? What can we do to help? What are the things that the problems that she's facing in terms of education and not just the problems, but what are the solutions that are already currently being used? And, you know, how does she see that future unfolding in that area with blockchain technology? Hmm. This is going to be a fun one. So who's the yeah. second guest that you're speaking with? Yeah. So the second guest that we're speaking with, is, her name is Itzel Yard. She is from Panama hmm. and um, she is an artist, a generative coding artist, and she specifically... What do you mean by that, first off? Yeah, so generative um, art is something that's relatively new to me, so I'm very curious to ask her a lot of questions about that, about generative art. So basically, generative art is something where you code, and it actually is randomized in its creation. So you code it, but then no one really knows fully the different outcomes that will happen Hmm. after it's actually launched. Okay. So... For example, with NFTs, she she did an NFT that was really focused on the Tor project, which the Tor project is basically, you know, one, it's a, it's a browser, a private browser on the internet that allows people to privately browse and not get tracked by, you know, all the cookies and whatnot that we have in the normal browser area. Okay. And the Tor project, um, this, her NFT was focused on that. And it basically took lines of code from the Tor um, browser and what's interesting is that the Tor browser is actually going to be taken down and revamped. So that code, the original code of the Tor browser um, is actually going to be gone. And so her NFT kind of is basically that, that moment in time. It's capturing the history of that groundbreaking browser, which hmm. allowed people to use the Internet without being tracked by government or, or big companies or big data or whatever. Like, Have you seen her NFTs? I have. They're really very interesting, actually. Um, Describe them. So, I haven't seen them, so this is good for test for our listeners to be able to visualize them as well. Yeah, so there, so there's music in the background, which is really kind of like ethereal music, really cool, calming, different sounding type of music that goes along with um, this generative art. So she basically uses this 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 algorithmic the code one one line of code in the Tor um, browser, the original one. Um, that was one of them, and then another one was where it was really using music and movement of um, it looks like pixelated black and white squares moving constantly, but when you're watching it, the waves, it's almost like they, they create various different shapes 
different patterns and whatnot as mm-hmm. it goes with the music. Um, but it's not completely tied with the music. It just almost feels like it was tied with the music because it's generative. So it's kind of, it's randomized the way that it actually is moving. So does it always change every time you play it or it just was randomly put together like, and this is what it came out with? Yeah, it was randomly put together and this is what Hmm. it came out with. And what's interesting is uh, other artists, NFT artists are doing this, artists specifically who are digitally native. I would say digitally native kind of, really focuses on obviously the tools in which um, are used digitally on the computer. So obviously, you know, like, like Illustrator. Po- yeah, but then, yeah, that's really the, the main component is that you're using code. You're using what the blockchain is, is built upon. You're using what the internet, what all programs that you use to design things on the computer are built, built with, which is code. And so that cross between art and code, I think, is just something that's so fascinating. I'm really excited to see how that progresses on into the future. We've seen other artists do generative um, pieces as well where they'll say, okay, there's going to be 10 minted and each one of those 10 is actually an individual, unique, different piece. They all look somewhat similar, but they're all different in a a unique way that was basically triggered by the code and the uh, artist just let it go. The artist didn't actually determine what each one was going to look like. The code determined it. Hmm. So it's an art in itself. It is. And it kind of ties back to the, you know, the phrase in um, at least the Bitcoin community where code is law. Um, I think a lot of other it's beyond Bitcoin, but definitely here, mostly in the Bitcoin blockchain space where it's like code is law. If you just follow the code, you know, that's where the truth can be found. Exactly. So this artist you mentioned is quite successful. Yeah. So she is the highest. She's the highest selling female NFT artist. Her dreaming at dusk NFT artwork was really, really beautiful and amazing. And um, she basically, she made $2 million off of that one piece. Wow. Yeah. Was that through the NFT marketplace called OpenSea or was it through Nifty Gateway? It was actually not on Nifty Gateway or OpenSea. It was on this marketplace called Foundation, which is an artist curated platform hmm. um, and foundation is actually pretty interesting it's a group of it, it's basically like I said it's, it's curated by artists and community um, and so she decided to, to go with that and what's interesting is the, the bidders of this piece um, were were actually really interesting I mean she kind of describes it as they were you know really um, you know nerdy in terms of how much they valued the code um, the bidding war was between uh, the CEO of Kraken Jesse Powell hmm. um, and uh, and it ended up going to someone else, but... Um, yeah, the CEO, Kraken's an exchange platform where you can exchange dollars or other forms of normal currency in the real world for digital currencies. Yes. And they're up there in the top, what, three or four globally. Exactly. For exchange I would platforms. say so, for sure, yeah. And they're, they're based in the United States in Wyoming, I believe, is where they're founded. But they actually are in San Francisco as well, like with Coinbase and whatnot. But mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty big. In terms, they've been around for a while. Yeah, two million dollars. It was obviously in, in ETH. It w- it was five hundred ETH is what the final price was. It kind of sounds like it's one of those ordeals where, if it, only a few people in the world really get it, and it's becoming more and more niche. Because in this, in, in that that artist that you're explaining, I'm having a little bit of a difficult time understanding the true art of it, but. Obviously, if there's two people who are like, holy cow, this is a game changer piece, then at least they're understanding something that I haven't gotten to yet. And perhaps it is something that 
requires one to be a programmer to really see the whole art piece in full and why it is so meaningful. Yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing. I mean, 500 at ETH for one piece, that's a, that's a big deal. And I think that if, if I'm honest, I do think that um, it has to do with the underlying um, lines of code that were yeah. linked with the Tor browser, the Tor Onion website. And so, I mean, it, because oh, it's... I know the Tor Onion website. Yeah, yeah, it's the Tor Onion website. And so this is, it was basically, she made it to commemorate the 15th anniversary mm. of the Tor browser. Um, and so when she kind of got that idea, I think that really clicked with a lot of people because they knew that, um, you know, the Tor, the first Tor Onion history. website yeah, is going to be removed and revamped. So that, that, that code, that original code is going to be gone mm-hmm. and, re, uh, and it's going to be updated. It's going to be totally new. And so I think in terms of how people really do value that website specifically. Well, it was monumental in coming up with blockchain technology it was. And, and bringing that all together through cryptography, yep. all of that. So if, if it wasn't for that browser, it could be argued that we wouldn't be at our current point yes. with all of the various different cryptocurrencies available. Yes, now. exactly. I mean, because basically you surf the internet through multiple layers of encryption and that encryption includes cryptographic keys, you know? So mm-hmm. it really is all tied in together. I mean, to just emphasize what other ways this website has been used. I mean, Edward Snowden used it in order to, you know, basically get the information out to various different media in order to, you know, bring, bring to the front of the public mm-hmm. what was going on with the NSA. Um, I think there have been a lot of other whistleblowers who have had to use it as well. And so, you know, when you, when, if, if, if privacy and, um, you know, if, if privacy on the internet is important to you, I think, and I'm pretty sure it, really is especially in this community i think that really again explains why this yeah. was so important as well why the tour onion code and her just in, in embedding it within art it just thought mm. it was really really interesting how all of these seemingly different areas can actually cross together because you know code is art code is art and i think that's i think a big one monumental way yeah code can be sold as art exactly That's so so yeah so, two different two different areas and fields but two women um in different parts are, uh, around the globe that are doing some really amazing things for um not just women in blockchain but for you know the blockchain space in different fields in within blockchain so really excited to talk with both of them i think it'll be interesting what i think we should do is i think uh after you conclude this interview presentation i think that it'll be really great to Talk about what you learned. Yeah. I think you're going to learn a lot. It's a long one. So it's like too. two hours, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a couple hours. We really just, I mean, I think that in order to, for a real authentic conversation to unfold, obviously we know it, it's got to be more than just 10 minute interview, you know, yeah. 10 minute soundbite. And I know we all have attention, you know, it's, it's hard to really focus on things, especially when the primary way of, you know, consuming content is just shorts, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of short videos, but it's getting shorter and it's shorter. Getting shorter and shorter, but in order to really fully understand the motivations of someone and really get inspired for, you know, to either get into the space yourself or to do something yourself in this space, I think that it requires these longer conversations, long form conversations. And so I'm excited to talk with them both. They'll be interesting. Great. Well, we'll definitely come back and we'll share your, uh, what rocks you picked up on this journey. Exactly. I'm well, this excited. was fun. Thank you very much for sharing uh, a little preview. I'm, little I'm excited because, I don't know, I, I haven't joined the group yet, but I'm, I'm excited to learn from you and your experiences. I'm excited to share that. And thanks for tuning in. We look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.